0: Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of Discussing Documentaries with Rick Wharton and me, Matt Wills. Today, we are in Rick's house. This is Rick's wheelhouse. He has picked... I've got to say, uh, a hell of a documentary, Rick. A hell of a documentary. <laughs> so he's picked "Malice at the Palace," and it's from the untold. Is it are they? The, is it called the Untold Session?
1: Yeah, Untold Series. So the Untold Series. Right. going to be one of a female boxer who I think from the advert looks like she's a victim of domestic abuse. The Caitlyn oh, right. Jenner story. Oh, okay. All uh, right, but. But this one came into my world for an obvious reason. Yes.
0: So it's from the year 2021. It's called Malice at the Palace. The provider is Netflix. The director was Floyd Russ. It's only just came out. So there's no money listed and there's no accolades listed. Um, And here's the blurb. A ball broke out near the end of a game between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons on November 19th, 2004. Nearly 17 years later, we re-examine that night and all the consequences that came from it. And the game they're talking about is, of course, because it's Rick, it is basketball. And while this is in Rick's wheelhouse, I'm just because of my size, I've normally been excluded from games like basketball. It's not really my thing, but I do love a sports documentary. I absolutely love it. Just because... They are so passionate. You get, you get a professional, and as much as they get paid a lot of money, none of them, it's it's really about the money. For them, they're so passionate about what they're doing, and I love all of that nonsense. So, uh, Rick, as always, man, lead us in.
1: Yeah, like I was always, like I think I've mentioned on previous episodes, big fan of it as a kid, and since no one from where I'm from played basketball, I looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and then learned a very big lesson when I went and joined other teams elsewhere. But, um, the funny thing was, is I was walking home from my mother's the other day, and a guy came and caught up to us that I haven't spoken to since like I was 12, 12 13. It we went to the same comprehensive school, but in different kind of sets and different lives. And uh, he's not a guy you'd fuck with, he turns around and goes, Hi, oh, do you keep up with the basketball? Like, and I just like look at <laughs> myself for a second and went, No. I uh, I didn't yeah, make it to so the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> I've came back to help out the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: I think he was. I, I like he, the way he, he, he thought because that kid had promise. That Wharton kid, he had real promise.
1: Hey, it was it was very nice to chat to him, but he had that kind of like up energy of like, oh, I imagine if it worked out, and I, you know, me, I'm I'm kind of a a lot these days <laughs> as opposed to like yeah i don't think it was going to work
0: out pal <laughs> but i like the idea that he was probably he probably saw his mum at the weekend and he were like hey i saw that uh richard Watson. <laughs> do you know what i'm not i'm not gonna doubt that is uh <laughs> did he keep up with the basketball did he make it to america no he didn't mum. no he didn't lives in Chesterley street again now oh is he back is he? Is, he? is he he's back down to earth yes he's back down yeah, to yeah, earth
1: i'd love it if people were on oh, if people are under the impression that I left Chester Street to to go to the NBA, I would stay in my house even more than I already do just to perpetuate As that you rumour. <laughs> um,
0: As you're walking down the words? street, you can hear kids whisper, that's the guy from the NBA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then me, same, me same Hakeem Elijah one <laughs> vest and shorts just walking around with a headband <laughs> on going, do you reckon I recognise us? Do you reckon I see us? It was really funny because uh, I think you'd had a few. And uh, he's like, oh, he gives you a number and uh, we'll meet up in that like, and go for a drink. And I went, i got to be honest, I, I I don't drink anymore. And it, it took him back for a second. He went, oh, well, you know, we we don't have to go for a drink or we can go for a juice or something.
0: <laughs> 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 Just... I like the pause before uh, he's going for his yeah. Rolodex of what other drinks okay. are there. No,
1: well, for me it was. What do the people in that London do? Only like <laughs> juice bars or something. Like I don't know. It just it just made me chuckle, and uh, I hope we do catch up. But geez, that just did make me laugh. I,
0: I... I like the idea. He thinks you're you're doing well in basketball. Um...
1: Well, no, he just asked. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he looked at me and uh, my hand-me-down trainers. Going, ah, I
0: think he made it that one. <laughs> um, now I've. While I may not be into basketball, I have only ever seen basketball live, and it was in a place uh, called Madison Square Gardens in New York. Yeah, the Knicks. It was. Yeah, we went and saw the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. The Knicks played basketball. Mate, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Just uh, me and that, me and Tao guy. So the guy from my show who who, uh, doesn't talk to me anymore. Was was that before or after the argument? uh, (laughs) Yeah. it was probably after yeah um and it, if you wondering what i'm talking about basically i had a i wrote a story about a guy who left a towel on a floor and that's, that's the just, reason
1: it's the story that's the reason that, that's the, it's <laughs> unacceptable
0: uh and i mentioned it on day one of our holiday in new york and we had a great holiday but when we came he hasn't spoke to me since we came back so uh yeah I and listen I'm not the easiest person to live with or work with. I get that. I I completely understand that. I've shouted at many people I love, including Rick, including my missus, including the majority of our Patreon fans who are my close dear friends. Um, So, yeah, Uh, I I, I get it. I'm not easy. Matt
1: Matt acted like Matt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But me and him at this basketball game, we had a great time. So they do this. Madison Square Gardens is, have you ever been? Before I get into a quick...
1: Well, it's one of the things, when I went to New York, I loved that that's where the train pulled you out of because it's the, it's the famous arena. Everything kind of goes yeah. through there. Um, but I've not actually been to MSG,
0: no. Superb venue. It, it, it mm. was like an O2 that worked, but smaller. It was just brilliant. Oh, yeah, and we It's were like in- the
1: heart of New York.
0: Yeah, and we were in the top tier, but it didn't feel like it. Um it was almost like we had a director's box, which I don't understand how we how we did that because I only paid like fifty dollars odd for the tickets. But they had a gun that shot t-shirts at you. It was just I it thought was you such an experience. the show of it. The show it, it, they was... do
1: they do not stop for a second. I no? went to see an NBA game when we went to Philly, and it was the 76ers before they had their like their rebuild that went well. Uh, if anyone likes the basketballs, they just signed Andrew Bynum with his daft hair. And he, I don't think he even bounced the ball for them. But um, 76ers versus the Utah Jazz. And I'm there with our lasses work colleagues. And um, that's when I learned about American drink driving. That was that was something else. Because um, oh, well, they do it. I, I seen them sinking a lot of shots, and I don't mean into a hoop, but then just jumping in the car and being <laughs> fine to drive home. Because everything's so far away. Do you know what I mean? And they're just like, oh, ah, yeah. I'll be fine. But, um, Designated the... driver.
0: That's why.
1: Yeah, that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm there, and it's it's it, God bless it. It's like our last's work colleagues and stuff, and they're all super like they're American, nice like what we spoke about, and like like American yeah, nice yeah. you can't beat. But I'm next to a guy like someone's husband, um, who like so she didn't work with her husband, and he's busy telling me how he's pissed off about his uh, AOL stock not fucking paying out or something like that, and how he lost his stock options or something. And I'm like, I work at a bingo hall. <laughs> <I didn't-
0: laughs> <laughs>
1: This is, this is not a chat I need to be in, but the Philly yeah. fans were awesome. Like, there's a guy, KJ turns around, uh, uh, asked me, is it okay to boo? And this big fella who looked like Patrice O'Neill turned around and goes, man, this is Philly, we boo Santa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd like to go to Philly, just because of it's always sunny in cool Philadelphia. City. Yeah.
1: Don't go to the Rocky Steps. Man, you get mobbed. You get absolutely mobbed.
0: What, because you're British? People come at-
1: no, no, because the tourist area, so you got everyone that makes money taking pictures of people and stuff like that, and we got fucking done. And then you got like yeah, it is the difference between the NBA and the British Basketball League is the difference between our homeless and their homeless in terms of how they pitch to get money. It is
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: It's almost like they don't have a safety net of an NHS.
0: Right. <laughs> um builds champions. But so back to the Pacers. So now I'd, I'd never heard of any of this, right? So I walked into this completely blind, and you just mentioned it last week, and I went, "Yeah, cool, let's do it then. That, that sounds awesome. Let's let's do it." And it just I got the I got the goosebumps. This sounds like we can't say anything that would get a lot of negative press, like last week's
1: episode. So this feels like an easy territory.
0: Oh god! But I love these blokes. These blokes were superb. Just well, as in the basketball players. Talk us through what happened, first of all, because we're, we're going off at all, all cock. So it, it, they say a brawl broke out. Did you remember this happening?
1: I stopped watching just before LeBron came into the league. So around about 2 was the last I would kind of make the effort to follow the NBA. Oh, okay. um, and that's where I dropped off. So I didn't realize that the Pacers were ever this good. They had a chance when Jordan was kicking around. If you watched the last dance documentary uh, um and Reggie Miller and Jordan had a bit of a like a back and forth during like I think a conference final if you right, okay. almost got there but I didn't realize they'd built around this so the first guy we kind of meet is uh, Jermaine O'Neal yeah. and he they go back through his backstory and he was drafted from high school now usually the high school ones are phenoms be and become the best because they don't go to college and have those extra years. That means kind of their bodies are physically ready and the NBA teams just want them. Like other people who jumped from high school are the likes of LeBron James, who's won everything. Kobe Bryant, who was one yeah. of the greatest of all time. Kevin Garnett uh, went to the Timberwolves at the age of like 17, 18. And then Jermaine O'Neal is one of these uh, high school drafts. But I d- this is the, the bit Blazers. I don't get.
0: I don't get the draft. Talk me through the draft. The
1: draft is why... It's it's an interesting system, which is also a little bit corrupt now, type of way. So, basically, you go for your high school, and yeah. then if you're mint, like if you're insanely good, you then go to the best high school in the area for basketball. We all watch, uh, oh, what's it called? Hoop Dreams right. goes through a bit of that. Okay, um, that's one for the future. I think that's a Patreon pick from uh, our fan Nick. I but, can already feel so we
0: Aussie Sarah shuddering at that. <laughs>
1: so yeah we, we again we've got fans who like different things yeah absolutely so so you will go to high school and traditionally that's when you get scholarships to college so yes. the colleges want the best basketball team so the if you imagine the american sports this is the way i kind of see it is the college system is like our premier league right and then you're getting drafted to the national teams, which every state has a basketball team. If you think Texas is yeah. the size three times the size of the UK, and 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 that, so you go to college. It's illegal for you to make money out of basketball until you get to the NBA. So that's where it kind of comes into a lot of issues of these people from broke, like people from low income areas, or just you know, you you're 22 and you're trying your best to to um, achieve your dream, and you've been given a fucking business degree at Michigan to do it, whereas yeah, yeah. if you break your leg, you're on your ass and you're out the door. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a fucked-up system. There is other routes into the NBA, but that's the traditional one.
0: And the draft is, so you decide to enter the draft yourself, or do the school put you forward there?
1: You declare yourself for the draft, so agents start to come round. Um, right. A bit like the movie He Got Game. Um, so agents will come round. They'll get feel out. You'll go for, for the, what's called the draft combine, which you've measured, and you, they measure your wingspan and how high you can jump, how quick you can yeah, run, yeah. and they put you in games. You do all the drills, and then that's, that's the stats that the teams go on. So I don't know if it's the same now. I think the bottom five teams go into a lottery to see who gets first pick.
0: Okay, and then you as a team then get to choose... Who you believe then, is the best player? Because your scouts and have you, scouted it all
1: out. Yes. So or, if you or you on, just choose did, the
0: best player, even if they're not going to match your team, you can then sell them on.
1: So if you watched uh, the last dance with Jordan, yeah, he was kicking off that the Bulls were intentionally benching him because it had a bad season and they were being in line for a top draft pick. Right. So he then kicks off and plays a maze and gets them to the playoffs and they lose that draft pick. Also, Jordan was drafted third. So Hakeem Elijah won one of the best centers of all time, seven-footer. He got drafted first of the Houston Rockets. The Chicago Bulls would have still drafted him, would have drafted Hakeem over Jordan, because back then it was a big man game, which I'll bring that back in in a second. So. He went first. Then the Portland Trailblazers had the second pick. They already had a player called Clyde Drexler, who is a Hall of Famer, but he's a shooting guard, as is MJ. So they got this guy who I couldn't even tell you what his name is now. I'll try to remember it from the documentary. It's gone. And then the Bulls. So there's this one person that was traded, uh, was drafted before Michael Jordan, and you just think of the difference in your yeah, yeah. team. If you just that- thought, well, maybe Jordan can play small forward. Do you know what I mean? It's a two-inch difference. and
0: Yeah, yeah. But maybe that spurned him on, right? And that's why he—that's why he had. I mean, he already had the fire in his belly. If you haven't seen The Last Dance, I would highly recommend it. That's one of the best docu series I've ever watched.
1: If you, if you haven't seen it, what I'd—I'd I'd, uh, give it a watch because it will be coming up in one of our Patreon series uh, once I've dragged Matt through making a murderer and we've done our Patreon pick. <laughs> but-
0: <laughs> I love The Last Dance, man. Right? Anyway, anyway, so back to this. So. Um Jermaine O'Neill is picked from the draft. He's drafted from seventeenth. Draft. Yeah, and he's he's considered quite the catch, right? But then he gets he doesn't he gets benched straight away.
1: Well, he was booed from being chosen and that that stuck in his craw. I don't understand who can boo a kid achieving their dreams. Like
0: so I you thought you would. no, he was cheered. I it. saw them cheering No,
1: it. no. The, 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 in, i've watched it twice he, he got booed going up and that that was a problem for him they wanted someone else because also if you think there might have been like a college like standout from that area so they've all yeah. watched them at the colleges they yeah. like and they're like there was a big one with new york and Pozingus. so um pozingis is a seven footer who's kind of changed the game because he can shoot three pointers and people that tall couldn't at that time And they wanted, I forget who they wanted, but they went for him and he got booed and had to really prove himself.
0: It's weird you say that about the shooting because there's a great Malcolm Gladwell uh, book where he talks about you will have a much higher success rate if you throw underarm for those three-point shots. Free throws. Free throws, there you go. If you throw them underarm, which you are allowed to do, rather than the classic... Overarm, if I've I got to be it? honest, right? Like, if no, you've never significantly played... higher, you'll have a much higher success I... rate. But people don't do it, and do you know why? It don't look cool. No, no, I disagree. Simple as that.
1: that. No, I no, he's got stats
0: on it. You can't disagree about Clapham. I'll, I'll tell you what. That's like, stats that's are. like his saying stats... God's wrong.
1: His stats are if you've never played basketball before and you're trying to copy what the NBA player does compared to a guy who's been drilled for his entire fucking life since leaving the womb to shoot like that. I'll I would find it. Let yeah. him keep a shooting form.
0: Now I'll find it for you. Cause one of the most successful shooters of all time was an underarm shot guy in the NBA. Honest. It's Malcolm Gladwell. You can't, like I said, he knows more than God. I'm telling you. Uh, Anywho, right. <laughs> I think
1: people don't check his stats. That sounds like a white guy. <laughs> um, hey, they're still doing They're just doing it because they're
0: cool. <laughs> uh, so, right, so, so sorry, gets meet... picked and ends up. He ends up going to the Indiana Pacers, and there's a guy on that team who I just absolutely fell in love with. Can you guess who I fell in love with in this documentary?
1: Reggie Miller?
0: Reggie Miller. Loved him. See, I, the thing Absolutely I loved about this documentary, which I him.
1: loved him in The Last Dance as well. He's, he's, a, he's a big talking head in The Last Dance now. There is a big juxtaposition within this documentary. Now, Reggie is one of the guys who's went into broadcasting since retiring. He's like, he's courtside. Yeah. He does interviews. He does the player by player. He has a very different tone and intellect compared to the other guys that are big parts of this. There is such a difference.
0: He looks like a professor at Princeton, right? He's there in his check shirt and his bow tie. And he's like, well, if you're, a, if you're a basketball nut like me, then you know that Jermaine O'Neal was our well, guy.
1: I think his older sisters were WNBA players if I remember the Reggie story correctly. Right. I had him on a VHS called Hardwood Heroes back when I was living the dream. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so his sisters were like dominant in college and they were the ones kicking his ass on, on like the, the garage hoop until he got better and tougher. But again, there's a big difference because Reggie's learned how to talk to the camera because he was one of the best trash talkers of all time. He would be talking shit on the court all day long. And like you say, he sounds like a Harvard professor when yeah, he's yeah. talking now. Now he's got the broadcast hat on.
0: But like, yeah, he but was he's got a twinkle in matters. his eyes. Oh, I, I really, I loved him. Absolutely loved him.
1: Reggie's one of the best players of all time, and they put their basically their owner decides to pull the trigger to try and build a championship-winning team before he retires. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they get Jermaine O'Neill, uh, Ron Artest. Yeah, and then you hear the Ron Artest story when he's at the Bulls and he's on his way to the game on a coach. He says, "Don't get off the court. You've been traded." He gets off the court. So when, "Don't get off the court and train," uh, and he gets goes on the court. So this guy's just. I'm a going lord on to this himself. motherfucking court. <laughs> yeah, there is no. And
0: the like, other guy they're building the team around is Stephen Jackson, who was the new joiner. But that because Ron Artest... you hear a lot
1: about our test first, and you hear about how he's a psycho, and he flips out, and he does all this stuff, yeah. and then you go, "He's treating Stephen Jackson Ron Artest, yeah, that guy's crazy." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Ron Artest, if, if for those of you who are into music, you might also know him as Meta World Peace, because that's you his... know what,
1: since since I was playing the computer games, but not watching. I used to think it was some fake player that I had to trade off the Lakers. I hated seeing the name Meta World Peace on there. I didn't realize this was this guy's like yeah, journey through like mental health. But yeah, yeah Ron, Didn't realize it was Ron
0: Artest. Yeah, yeah, one of the best players of all time, according to this documentary. It was the way I understood it. Defensive, yeah. One of the yeah, best yeah. defensive players yeah, yeah. of all time. Um, so they're going to build the team with Reggie Miller as basically the old dog trying to teach these young pups new tricks, right? And trying to get them to say... We can be a championship team here. We can win some trophies. And as a fan, now sports fans are, in my opinion, because I am one, we are idiotic, right, when it comes to our our passions. And this all comes out in this documentary. But that's all we want. We want some trophies. Look at how nuts you go over the Newcastle trade-off, right? And I know you, right? You are one of the loveliest human beings I've ever met. But you're like... If I have to kill 900 journalists, then... It goes goes up one every day the The deal isn't isn't approved. Because you get crazy chasing for that little bit of silver.
1: Because you want it to be fun. Do you know what I mean? You at least want to be in the shout. Look at the The NBA season is 89 games, right? Imagine, and you normally would have to buy a season ticket. It's like the um, British Premier League. Yeah. You'd have to buy, put your name on a fucking list to get a season ticket yeah. three years in advance. You imagine you've had your name on that list, and right? all right, so we sold Reggie Miller, got rid of Jermaine and Artista, uh, That's still going to be two grand. Yes. You're going to have to turn it up, what, 48 times to watch us get tonked? Yeah. Then at the end of 82-game season, you go into the playoffs, which is the best of seven series, yeah. until it really has, you
0: know, stakes. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's absolutely brutal. So you get why the pans, fans get so passionate. Um,
1: and I think what they do is they build just a, a dominant defensive team around Reggie. I mean, you see yes. Jermaine O'Neill just having some amazing highlights, but Ron Test is a defensive machine, Stephen Jackson. Yeah, they are, and the, and, uh, they are yeah. the best
0: at what they do, right? Um, and Reggie Miller said this. Now, you're going to have to translate this for me. That season, we loaded for bear. What, what does that mean?
1: Right, they loaded the team, so
0: you kind of have a choice whether or not
1: you're doing a rebuild and you're getting draft picks. Right, so you trades. You don't buy players. You th- this is what they were hoping from the European Super League, basically, so they can stop put they can start to put a cap on wages.
0: Ah, so they can stop the agents upping. Everything. So
1: you, yeah, so you get um free agents. So that's people whose contractors ran down. Yeah, or you have to trade for them. Now, you would never really want to trade for a player as good as a player. That's, there's no improvement to your team unless you have two amazing players in one position. So what tends yeah. to happen that goes, right, we'll give you these two players plus our draft pick from this year and that year. For this so person. Then yeah, yeah. For this one person. Like when Jordan came out of retirement and went to the Wizards, they blew up a potential championship-winning team in the future by trading off all their young players and their draft
0: picks to put a good team around Jordan, because they thought they might get something. Did and did Jordan win yeah. anything for Wizards? Oh, he did. No,
1: win. it didn't. Oh, he oh, didn't, didn't pan out. out as well from that. Yeah, but he had games um, where he scored like forty-eight points and he was Michael Jordan again, which I think was.
0: Now, just just to move this along, because I think anyone who's listening to this uh, might just wants us to get to the fight. Um, So in 2004, the Indiana Pacers made it to the Eastern Conference finals and they lost it due to a flagrant foul by Ron Artest.
1: Yeah, so it's 59-59 and Artest just elbows a guy in the post for basically no reason. It shows you that he's crazy. Like that is just above and beyond elbowing someone in the face. I mean,
0: crazy on the court, not crazy mental health. Although although he did have, as he said, he had mental health issues. His psychiatrist followed him everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, and then the Pistons and it was 59-59 they lost out to that and then kind
1: of uh, the Pistons went on to win the championship so that was the year they could have won
0: the the, I like Reggie Miller and Steven that Jackson, though but when Reggie Miller was like you guys <laughs> you guys we could have won this <laughs> it was just a proper tickle of course a point to prove yeah whereas he, he he's been around for a while right and he's like this is our chance And do you know what they're playing for as players? They just want to get that ring. If you win the championship, you get a championship ring.
1: There's also the bump up in pay, I think. Your stock goes up. And then when you come out, because when you come out of contracts, you then name your price if you're good enough. Right, okay. Like there's a Kawhi Leonard. Um, got traded from San Antonio went to Toronto and won them a championship in Toronto which never happened and then it's like yeah because you trade if you trade a player you trade their current contract you don't move yeah up. okay so it's just so you got one year left Toronto took that up bang they had him for a year and he's like oh yeah I'm a- <laughs> peace out by the way and then demanded that like the LA Clippers give him like private jets himself to matches and stuff like that some insane deal where you just had to bow down to have this amazing player you're gonna have to do that so that, that it's about your stock and how much money I, you can as well. I,
0: I don't blame them for doing that, right? Because the life of a of sportsman, they're like dragonflies or mayflies, rather. Yeah. They're, it's incredibly short, right? So well, they're probably going to live till they're 60 or this. 70. Yeah. And they, they've probably got 10 years of making money, and then it, it all drops off. So, you know, fair play to them for trying to, you know, eke a little bit out. And the brilliant thing that Jermaine O'Neill says, who is... Hands down, such a passion, he just comes across as passionate, intelligent, softly spoken, very well thought out. You know what he's going to say.
1: It's the angle of the camera in him. You don't realize he's uh, six foot
0: 11. No, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Six foot 11 is a bloody hell. Um, Yeah, he's a centre. But what he says is he says, listen, I was my opportunity for my family to break out of our social class. I was it. I was a chance to give everyone in my family a chance, a leg up, basically, and to stop what's been yeah. happening for hundreds of years to him and his, him and his ancestors, where they were just basically they were, they were, you know, working class. And he's like, look, we can fix this. I could. This was my opportunity to help my family. I could not blow it. And then, uh, then they went to Detroit.
1: Well, first off, they have the start of the next season and you've got Ron that's basically saying like, yeah, I'm having time off to do my album. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love saying that stuff. I'm an artist, my, darling. I'm out and of here. He's, <laughs> he tells the fucking team that, um, you know, I've... He's, um,
0: he's, he was at a funeral. There's been
1: a death in <laughs> the family and he's going down <laughs> to the Teen Choice Awards or something to give out a thing.
0: Yeah, he's on telly handed out uh, awards. But um, when
1: you hear him talk, it is so like viscerally honest about is, himself, yeah. and you can tell how erratic he is just by him calmly talking. Yeah. Like this is a guy who, like, there is a high level of anxiety in what he's thinking. He doesn't trust people. He doesn't no. do this or do that. Like,
0: but he said he really liked um, Jermaine and Stephen on the court. Right? He he bought into the he buys into the team. And Jermaine and Stephen are like, well, if that's the case, fucker, turn up for practice like the rest of us. Yeah.
1: Um, There was a great moment. Like, if you watch it, and and Stephen Jackson to me looks like one of the most hardest people I've ever seen in my life. He just looks like he has a look of a man who is just ready at any slight thing to put you back in your place. And it was so funny because you look at the way – Ron Artas is sat, he's like almost sliding down his sofa like a kid who's been told. off, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. Like, he's like, and then you see Reggie Miller, he's there like a commentator who's going over really what calm. happened analytically. And then you see Stephen Jackson, who's not even facing the fucking camera and going, this is the last time I'm going to talk about this shit. You got that? <laughs> <Like> he's... <laughs> He is just like he's got. I've got my back turned to the boom mic guy because if he tries something, I'll still kill him. <laughs>
0: like, I just won't even know what I liked about Ron. I said you're right. The way he slouched down and he get he got lower and lower and lower, but the way he spoke with such honesty about his mental health was incredible. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, man, fucking, I really suffered from anxiety. I think those around me knew it." <laughs> you reckon, Ron? Is that what you reckon? Um. And then they go to Detroit and here's a great I think this was Reggie Miller who said this. Reggie Miller so this said is the uh, rematch. Yes, of where they and From last they, they year say they beat the, them
1: in the conference finals before going to the final the year before. This is the time they're going to make a statement yes. against them.
0: And what they're saying is the winner of this game will probably go on to win the championship. So it really because that's yeah. how good both teams were and they were almost cancelling one another out. But here's what they said about uh, they said the Detroit fans, they have a, sorry, the Detroit, yeah, the Detroit followers have a rabid fan base. Rabid.
1: Well, they they have um, their own mystique in Detroit because they come from the bad boy Pistons era as well. Whereas, um, like, rules of the game have been changed because of Detroit. So, like, they, if you watch Jesus. the game, Last Dance... The Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambier, they had a like a, a philosophy where like the whistle goes foul, right? Anything that happens after that whistle doesn't count. So what they would do, if you're going through the key to the basket, someone would foul you, tap you on your arm, whistle goes, you put your shot off. And then the other guy comes and elbows you in the face. They were just like, you had to take your career. And that's into not your a yellow card. Uh, that's where well, you get like two flagrant fouls. I don't know kind of the whole thing, but you get five fouls in basketball, and on your sixth right. foul, you're fouled out. And then if it's kind of like you've just punched them on the face, you get a flagrant one or a flagrant two, and then kicked out. Right, okay. Um. But so, like these niggly ones, and they'll do stuff like they would. If you jumped up, they would get underneath you, so they land on your ankle and roll their ankles and stuff like that, like all kinds of every dirty little trick in the book, the Bad Boy Pistons. Jesus. And that's like Isaiah Thomas rivalry of Jordan. They were fucking brutal. And then this team they put together in the early 2000s were like a strong defensive team. I don't know. I wouldn't put them up there with the Bad Boy Pistons for fouls because I didn't watch them enough. But there is an interesting point I'll have to circle back to at the end about what the league I was has feeling- done regarding those kinds of teams. Right, okay.
0: But the um that rabid fan base, I was uh, do you think that's anything to do with the uh the Flint water?
1: the, the water's made them less intelligent. That is a <laughs> yeah. fantastic fucking link back to a Michael Moore documentary. Yeah. That could be down <laughs> to it. Cause they start talking to the fan and they the one of the fans has got the daft wig on are you being interviewed. Yeah, Buddy Franz. And then you talk to the cops and they're talking about, yeah, this guy over here, I don't think it was Buddy Franz, but a different one. Uh, We were going to take his tickets off him because he's becoming
0: a problem. But we thought we'd let him get a lot of beer inside him first and then take the ticket off him. Take the ticket off him at the beginning of the night, not at the end of the night. What did you need his beer money that badly? Is it, how much was he spending yeah. on beer that, as a business? You're it's, like, listen, let's let him drink, and then we'll take it. Matt, once he, once he's it, had 20 beers, fuck it.
1: You've got a season ticket for West Ham, or you have had in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. How does a security guard get to know your name? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was. It, how much of an asshole do you need to
0: be? Oh, fuck yeah. When, when I did the tour of the Upton Park um, before it closed down, They have a jail cell down there, and it is tiny. And I was like, that ain't big enough. And he went, it's never big enough for this fan base. No, it's not. And I spoke to the bloke I sat next to, right? So I sat next to a geezer called Scary Steve. And then the bloke six up from me was called Really Scary Steve. So they were both really intimidating blokes. And I said to Scary Steve, I said, I went to that. uh, I did the tour. And I saw that jail cell. He went, "Yeah, I've been in there a few times." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, i am okay. sitting with the right match, people then."
1: QPR match a few years back, and there's like a stairwell, and literally like 400 people went and sat on that stairwell and had a cigarette, and there was like one spotty steward going, uh, "Guys, <laughs> could you stop smoking?" <laughs> And you can tell where fucking mob mentality comes from because they they, they they dreamed of having yeah. people come and try and remove them because that's what yeah. they wanted. They didn't. I mean, they were losing 3-0 to Newcastle. They weren't in a good mood. I was just trying not to fucking speak because I'm with the QPR fans. I was sitting with them and I wanted to go for a cigarette. I mean, it's like, um, hey, Rick, do you want a cigarette? I'm like, yes, I do, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One would. Uh, let's lose mm-hmm. the accent. Um, what I loved about that Buddy Franz is you. they cut to him on the court and he's shouting, we're number one, we're number one. And then it cuts to him as a talking head. He's still wearing the wig and the glasses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my character. I am a character. Act. Well, no one will know me if I take off the wig and the glasses. Or even worse, they will know me without the wig yeah. and the glasses. And I don't want that.
1: There's always one fan. There's one of the QPR that always brings his fucking maracas and wears a sombrero and has to sit near the away fans. And oh. I just, I, I can't tell you how far removed I want to be from those people.
0: Yes, now I'm with you. Why'd um, you
1: get in your season ticket? You got that prick getting up and there's maracas every five times. Every time there's a corner, you'd be like, oh, I, I'm not going. <laughs> Forget the money.
0: We had at uh, Upton Park. We had. What most of us would, I think, we had the same announcer for about two decades. He was funny, um, he was quick witted. At um, one night, he was like, "And they've substituted the white ball for an orange ball." He was just a really funny bloke. He's even written a book about it. And then something happened, and he went, "I'm not putting up with this shit," and he walked. And I thought he was the best announcer I'd ever heard because he was always raving about my team. And then I hear the announcer in Detroit at this game.
1: Oh, that's what I mean by the show, the pageantry to it is a different
0: level. And for D D D, 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 D D D Detroit.
1: It's fucking awesome. It's just a different level of energy. Like we have a song that plays as we walk out onto the field and then someone calmly reads out who's yes. starting for us. What are you good? At 6-6, six, six. Uh, it's just amazing. It is it gets you such a show. It all, really does. It's whole yeah. package show at these games. Um, you hear from Big Ben Wallace. He was the center for Detroit, and um, he's the guy that sounded as if he was in witness protection and had a voice <laughs> modulator. <laughs> his voice was that deep. You're just like, this guy is terrifying. I can't even do an impression. It sounds like it comes from his ass. His speech goes, uh, and then this happened I can't I can't even do it justice um
0: <laughs> and these blokes are big Nate right? dog
1: if you've ever liked rap near dog is who he sounds like right like hold up
0: but, and then basically then the game happens and the the reason it's called malice at the palace is because where they're playing is called is it called the Auburn Palace
1: the Auburn Palace is was the Detroit uh, arena yeah
0: yeah okay um so then the game starts and to say it's a bit tense is is an understatement. And then it just, it kicks off like a cockney funeral, doesn't it? It's well, just... this is this is
1: how it happens. So basically, Indiana whops them. They are like 25 points ahead. Yeah. There was a clip, right? And it shows you Ron Artest's kind of mentality going into this match where he's on a fast break. So a fast break, Matt, is where, imagine one team's attack. It's a counterattack. Right. So, one team's attacking, your team steals the ball and sprints to the other end quickly to try and get a quick point. That's a fast break. Right. So, you see Ron Ortiz dribbling the ball, but between each bounce, you can tell he's looking back to hoot a punch as he's going towards the <laughs> hoot. There's just a lovely. <laughs> there is no reason for him to be slowing down and looking this way, but you can tell he's like, boom, boom, boom. All right, I Someone's guess I'm going to get rub. it.
0: So, going get it. So, they're that far ahead.
1: One of the and then Reggie Miller's one of the people who like kind of pointed out this. Uh, he says, Right, the fans leave when you're getting tonked. It's in the fourth quarter, you're yeah. down by twenty, you're yes. not coming back. The regular fans leave to beat traffic. That and the regular fans the psycho- are in the
0: good seats. Right. In the good
1: seats. And then the psychopath fans just trickle down to be closer to the court. Yes. So now they're almost courtside, yeah. the ones that have been stuck up in the fucking the gods because they're not allowed that yeah. close to the players. And Reggie and, Miller's uh, not
0: playing, right, because he's got a broken hand. Reggie's hat. injured, yeah. broken
1: finger, yeah. Um, so what happens is they're winning, and Tinsley, I think the player was called, turns around to run our test and went, you can get your foul now. So like I say, you got five fouls. If you want to take, take it out on these guys, what happened last year, knock yourself out because it doesn't matter. So the next time the ball's up the other end, of the court Ben Wallace is in the post going for a, like an open layup, and Ron Artest goes, "I couldn't be bothered to try and block him, so I, I just pushed him in the back of the head." I <laughs> put or he just he just whacks him, and again this is not regular because this is a six foot seven guy whacking you. This is an in shape six foot seven aggressive guy whacking you, not like you know Ivan Gattuso has clipped the back of your heels while you're through on goal. This is like this is. That hurts when someone does that.
0: I I thought that incident happened and that's why they lost the initial game the year before.
1: No, the year before was the elbow on a player. When it was 59-59 in the conference, he elbowed a guy and then they were like, that's a flagrant and then they didn't have one of their top defensive players. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So So then he whacks Ben Wallace, it all kind of kicks off and then as as they go on, there's Push and shove, and Artes oh, goes and lies down on the scorer's bench <laughs> table, <laughs> and then puts his hand but lies back down, and puts down his as if he's up.
0: posing for a Picasso. Right? Yeah, he's standing he's he like bothering. this, going, he's "Hello, yeah, paint me and he's now." Going,
1: I, I know my team. I know I know Jermaine O'Neal and Stephen Jackson is not going to let them touch me, so I'm fine. And then he also says, like, "Oh, my therapist, who had to travel with the team." With yes. this guy. So they're literally every five So they, they're they kicking off, and especially the disrespect of him lying on the scores bench laughing at them after doing that. Yeah, they're yeah. getting angry. And again, you look at Ben Wallace, that's not a guy who gets shoved a whole lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, just no, not, of you just don't get tread like yeah, that yeah. as a seven foot built like a brick house man. No. Um, and then a fan, and then Reggie does it perfectly because he just sees a, guy, a fan chucks a bottle or a can. From like the ninth yeah. row and hits our test. great throw was mental.
0: Great throw hits him square on on the bo- on the knocking right. It just it click, it clocks him, and he fucking he, he was like a greyhound. Right, it was like he the, went tra- the trap the went up. He ran up. He literally jumped over people like Superman, and he went up and he punched this fella. Sadly, he punched the wrong fella. Yeah. Um yeah, you will find that out. And but like the
1: size difference. Like I like I say, I've been to a few of these games and I've seen these people. Yeah. Like it's a bit like realizing the tiger enclosure isn't at a height they can't jump out of. <laughs> you're <a> <laughs> and you're like
0: Great analogy. Your dick at
1: the tigers, and you're just yeah. like, oh fuck, this just like yeah. you've now got Ron fucking our test leaping over three sets of chairs at a time to get to you. And he kicks off. And then Stephen Jackson jumps into the crowd, and that all
0: kicks off. And to quote Stephen Jackson...
1: And the whole thing just mob mentality. Yeah, well, he
0: said, look, it was 15 of us against 30,000 people. Yeah. And they had three police officers there to police that game. That's disgraceful. Basically, they break down throughout the documentary how the fight happened and the, the cause and effect of what happened. But then it cuts to the press and how the press are looking at it. And they're like, these basketball players are thugs. They're blah, blah, blah. And it, to me, it just seemed like the press got really racist. Did, did you read that as
1: well? The, 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 there is so much of that within the NBA. So uh, I saw a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar one. And now Kareem's seven foot two and got the longest arms of all time, right? right. He was the great, one of the biggest scorers in NBA history, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In college, when he went to college, They made it illegal to dunk. And he literally turned around and went, yeah, there's not a lot of white guys dunking too much during a match. Okay, that is... is... (laughs) There was the Michigan Fab Four, which um, they started to wear baggy shorts. And they were like, "We don't like this thug gangster rap mentality." And they all, the whole Christian right and the fucking right wing media jumped on that. They yeah. don't like the earrings. They don't. And again, it's because it's it's taken it away from the white America's pastime. Yeah. It is, so. It is. It was
0: Rachel as well. You did. You felt that watching. One hundred percent was Rachel. One of yeah, the words yeah.
1: thugs, sin, like gangsters and yeah. shit like that. It's it's fucked up. They, they're just chucking bottles at them. They got yeah. you know. They called them the rap t-
0: generation.
1: The rap generation, yeah. like Alan Iverson was a big one for that. Took a lot of flack. He started dressing comfortably. Um, Jermaine yeah, said was, a really he, good
0: thing, though. He said, look, while the press are here blaming us about us having this fight, and he goes, we're not proud of this, right? It's you know, destroyed careers. He said, but what about ice hockey, where they've yeah. been beating the crap out of one another during games for decades, and no one's got a problem with that? You, you think Which, about again, predominantly it, it, the people who play ice hockey versus the people who play basketball. Look at the, the – that's almost racial profiling, isn't it, that they're, they're putting yeah. on? Basketball's fuggish, whereas ice hockey, well, it's okay. They're, they're, well, they've just to, got a yeah, lot yeah, of aggression. Marcus the Queens, Bruce, yeah. Well, yeah. no, but
1: ice hockey's fucking ferocious as well, to be fair. But um, the fact that they're not jumped on for it is, yeah, ridiculous.
0: It's disgraceful, and it was. It just seemed racist to me. Looking, um, the the documentary
1: is worth watching for the footage alone of the fight because because yes, it's it, never been uh, released before. Yeah, not to that extent. I think I, I mean, ESPN would have went through it in grave detail. Um, yes, at the time, yeah, yeah. I imagine. But there's stuff like so. Ron Artest comes down at the court, and the fan who they interview, um, he runs down at the court and then goes up to try and punch him in the fucking face which again I, <laughs> how much adrenaline is <laughs> in your fucking body
0: when you're up kind
1: of to a guy like this going this yeah. is going to work out alright like this is
0: and Ron Artest sees that coming and he just lays him out
1: lays right. him out and then another guy comes punch. in. Jermaine O'Neal seven foot Jermaine O'Neal seven foot quickest fucking seven footer alive at that point sprints across the court and Reggie says he is so lucky he slipped. That is the best. Yeah, because that—that's the best him. miss that of would... his
0: career. Yeah, Because yeah. he, he went to punch this guy, slipped, and didn't ma- didn't connect. And he said, if he would have connected, yeah, that fan would have been dead. Um, and then the punishments were handed down. And again, this was incredibly damaged as well because well, the punishments just, just were handed down when they when
1: they're led back
0: to the dressing room and they're
1: just throwing the beers on them and chucking. Oh, shit. that's
0: disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. But they so they punish the players and not the fans. Now and this was arbitrated effectively it goes to a court. Oh right, can we get arbitrated? Back just one but second it, but it's then. a
1: the police it's on come a basketball out, court.
0: Go on. Yeah.
1: The police come out during the melee and a, go to try and mace Ronald run test, not the people throwing stuff. And yeah. then they also try to arrest Reggie Miller as a fan on the yeah. court. It's like, how do you not know who Reggie Miller is? <laughs> <that>? Stephen Jackson. <laughs> they then try to arrest Jermaine O'Neal in the back, and then Jermaine. I love the idea because you saw these, not, the the cops he says, are so Go sub- subdued. Yeah, the cops are goes, yeah, you know. And then this happened. And they're just so chilled out the way they're talking about, it. like just jaded beat cops, you yes, know. Yeah, and yeah. Jermaine O'Neal says, "Listen." I'm getting back on this bus. Talk to my fucking lawyers, all right? Because you got to yeah. remember, like, you need to start treating these people like they're fucking millionaires again. They're off the court. They have yeah. the fucking financial backing to take this shit seriously. It's yeah. not like chucking one of these bums in the fucking back of a bus and being like, what are you going to do? Mm. What, go through two yeah, years yeah, yeah, legal yeah. to get your fucking compen?" pen? Yeah. Um, there were players who but... punched our test, uh, our test punched, he goes up to one of the officers to try and keep him out of the way, and he's with a friend going, "Wouldn't it be great if one of us hurt ourselves and we could sue?" And then you see footage of him being taken out in a neck brace. It was a it was a short clip, and you got him as a talking head, and he was a fucking asshole. He's like saying, "Yeah, it's a, it was a punk nation. move for my test."
0: Yeah, no, he wasn't a player. Yeah, he was a fan. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah the fan, um, Charlie Haddad, Yeah, he, He's called.
0: What, what did he say he? Um... Yeah, he he'd sucker punch me from behind.
1: No, then didn't. you see the footage. You <laughs> ran at him, and he bopped you in the face, yeah. and you fell like a <laughs> sack of shit. Like,
0: yeah. Um, but the punishments were just so wrong. So, and again, the punishments. You're only in the middle of the documentary by this, although we're almost at the end of talking about it. But the punishments were handed down by David Stern, and like I said, they do it through a court, uh, like a basketball court. And David Stern is the head of the NBA. So he shouldn't be the person who makes this decision. He shouldn't be the one reviewing evidence. But he just went, yeah, you're all thugs. Our test got suspended for the rest of the season. Jackson got 30-game suspension. O'Neal got a 25-game suspension. And Ben Wallace also from the Pistons also got bad, bad. And the players were blamed for the entire thing. But there was no... No one looked at the provocation until the until the um, county prosecutor, David Goykaika, turned up. Now, he seemed like a fair and reasonable guy because he's like, yeah, whoa, 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 yeah, we're not blaming good. anyone. We, we've got to look at the evidence here. What are you talking about? And then he breaks it down into minute detail, doesn't he? And it's beautiful. That guy is yeah, just…
1: really good the way they put it together. Again, this is… It seems like a short story about one instant, but it's so well packaged and put together. It's got it is, uh, the highlights yes. of the sport. It's got the charismatic people yeah. talking about it. And it's got the whole it's compelling to watch. of it. Yeah. It was really, really good.
0: I thought, you know who needs that David Gorsica? Um, Stephen Avery. He needed him as a prosecutor in uh, in Madison County. Man- Man-
1: Man- Manitowoc, yeah. Manitowoc, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, because he said, look, we're going to look at the fans and players and we're going to hold the correct ones accountable. And what what did he say about Ron Artest? Ron had every right to defend himself. He fucking did yeah. as well. There was a geezer coming yeah. up to punch him. He just defended himself. And, and he got banned for the, the rest of the season. And it cost them the championship. And Reggie Miller, man, you could tell that, that guy was broken hearted and he ain't that getting over that broken because- heart. That was his. Because the
1: Pistons won it that year. The Pistons won won the whole thing that year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were whopping them. And they had a team that could just roll past everyone. They had the best record and then it was just it just imploded. They got fucked over. Even David Stern, when he sat there, goes, Oh, was it unanimous? Yeah, it was unanimous. A one to zero vote. He's done for the season.
0: Yeah. But as David Stern, you're the only guy who's checking it out, mate. Hang on, how is that fair? Um, then you have the they guy identified. who threw the can
1: being interviewed. John now, effectively,
0: Green. that that that's what kicked it all off in a big, much bigger way. So when that when that bottle hit um, Ron Artest on the head and he ran up to the stadium, uh, up the stands, yeah, they exploded, right? <laughs> and that that he's basically he's the guilty one on the grassy knoll. He was it,
1: and he's been an asshole in interviews. Oh, he's, he's a been fucking prick. such
0: an asshole. Oh, yeah, he's a he's,
1: and when you see the reporters come to his door, which I hate, reporters coming to people's fucking doors, I don't think that's on anywhere. But like when he chases them off with their dog, and he's being aggressive yeah. with them, and then he's on TV and he's laughing about it, and he's just like, you know, yeah. he's laughing at the guy who got punched instead of him.
0: What well, he said, you know, are you pleased that the other guy got punched? And he went, "I'm just glad it wasn't me. I don't care who it was." But and he tripped Ron Artest over. As Ronotes went up to punch the other guy, thinking it was him who threw it, it wasn't, it was that John Green fella. John Green tripped him over, as if to add insult to injury. Um, And t- he got charged, that John Green, the bottle thrower, with cold clocking. What the fuck is cold clocking? Cold cocking is what
1: it's called. I think that's
0: wow, what's hitting that? someone or something. Oh, is that what I've, it is? is I've
1: it? heard it used within reference to when you hit someone with the butt of a gun you got cold cocked when you're not when you hit someone who's not expecting to be hit maybe the the definition
0: right okay all right okay and it was just so you go for the court process yeah no go on
1: no no i just said they go for the whole court process and then you see the fallout. So what happens is the Pacers' season falls apart. They don't yeah. win, and then Reggie retires, I think, at the end of that season. So that was his chance yeah. to go out with the fairy tale ending. Yeah. Um, that was taken away from him. Uh, and they all say they feel bad for Reggie, and I think they also feel they bad do. for Jermaine. Because yeah. Stephen Jackson won a championship at San Antonio, and then Ron, Ron Artest, Artest asks to be traded... So he has yeah. to be traded. He then changes his name to Meta World Peace, probably to help his music career. I'm not sure. Yeah, he goes yeah. through what the Meta and the World Peace means and stuff like that. But then when LA win a championship again, he just speaks so real. So he's on. He's in an interview. They've just won the final game seven. He's like, "Yeah, I feel bad. I should have won one. This should have been for Jermaine and Steve and Reggie and yeah. Tinsley. Yeah, yeah. I should have won one of those guys. So and, and like he he, he he says himself, he feels terrible for how he was. Re- like acted during that. And he
0: acts, but he acts with integrity with his words. He really does. He was, yeah. And in that moment, which should have been one of the happiest moments of his life, he's telling, he's basically apologizing again to those players who he fucked it up for because he, he couldn't keep his shit together. Um, and they said the person who suffered the most out of that, that brawl was probably Jermaine O'Neal's career. Yeah. Because that really fucked it up for him. Right. Um,
1: but well, it's th- all such move and chess pieces where you end up and whether or not. Because that was four great players on a team. Very yeah. rarely is there four yeah. world beaters on a team. They're like uh, A team of three is a super team, and normally due to salary caps, you'd have a team of two, and then they kind of finagle around that. So like when LeBron went to Miami, he pretty much got paid like lowest rate and then just lived off his endorsement deals so he could play with two other All-Stars. The Brooklyn right. Nets have currently done it with um, four world beaters. Just players that haven't won a championship decide to pile on a team so they can find a Because they want that ring. There's a whole. Yeah. yeah. So, like before before um, these days of the super teams or everyone piling on one, you're kind of at the whim of where you ended up. So, you have yeah. a chance at a yeah, championship yeah. with a team. You'll still be a great player, but it takes a village to win the fucking championship because yes, a, yeah. everyone's a great player in the NBA. It's
0: the Lester FC, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there was a really good quote and I I I just love this so much. Uh people thought their ticket to the game made them entitled to do what they wanted. And I've I've seen that live. I've seen I've seen idiots chuck objects at seventy-six year old club owners. I've seen people run onto the pitch and disrupt a game because we were losing. Um and that made the owners spend like oh christ i think they made us spend 60 million by them running on the pitch um take a look at what
1: happened the euros final do you know what i mean when everyone rushed into wembley and were kicking the shit out of each other and people come into their seats and 15 people have just taken them like
0: yeah and it just oh mate like i said you just you get insane about a, a sport which is meant to be fun right it's yeah, but, um, two
1: things so one thing that we kind of i don't think we mentioned uh the aftermath of the fight david stern immediately enforces a dress code which is you have to now wear suits to the fucking building no more of this um which again is whitewashing of the sport like you can't just you know dress how you're comfortable in your own fucking culture yeah you and, haven't got
0: free will anymore
1: A thing I find a little bit interesting is basketball is very different to football where they change the rules very regularly. So, for instance, do you know the key, the part in between the underneath the basket and you stand at the free throw line those lines in between there is called the key? Yeah. Uh, That was invented because that was invented to make the three-second in a key rule because George Mikan back in the day couldn't be stopped underneath the basket. He basically just played like the Indian in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. He was just taller than everyone. Right. <laughs> he was just popping in the basket. So they made that. And then he had Will Chamberlain come along. He was a fucking monster. He scored like 100 points a game. He was so good, they made the key wider to get him further away from the basket to make that end. Oh, wow. so there's A recent change to the sport is no hand-checking, so it's it's now everyone's getting smaller and smaller skillful players, so it's less catered to big men. Now, the years that the Pistons won it, they won it on hard-nosed defense. So huge guys, kind of static, a lot less moving around and a lot less fun to watch. So they made the rule of illegal defence, I believe, where you can't be in your own key for three seconds, or if you're not moving on defense for three seconds, you so you okay. can't play it has to be man to man, it can't be zonal. Yeah, they yeah. won it with a zonal defense and went, nah, that's too dull, take that rule away. And all of a sudden the team you yeah, built okay. is no good for the fucking new rule. Um so that's an interesting thing with it. The shot clock as well used to be thirty seconds, like now nah, let's speed this up, it's
0: twenty four now. Yeah, okay. Um but it's no so different. They changed from, um... the rules like the wind. But well, the Premier League changed the rules all the time as well. It, it, and it is to make it what they believe is fairer, if it more interesting, better for the fans. They it, want to increase the fans' experience. Because that's where if the, it money, wasn't is. For the VAR, money sits with the which fans. Took,
1: I know, I know. But the difference with the Premier League is if it wasn't for VAR, like the, the virtual reality ref, um, and we had five years' notice on that before we even fucking tried it, You can't really pick out too many rule changes in the last 15 years. There's one you can now shoot from kickoff. You know, like, I mean, that's not affecting the game (laughs) at all. Yeah, yeah. Two players don't need to be in the semicircle for kickoff. There's like niggly tiny little rules. There's not like, oh, no more headers. So Lukaku, unlucky, you're worth 10 million because you shit with your feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the level of difference in the NBA as opposed to... Yeah, they're trying going, to, but that's next. they're saying yeah. no more headers at youth level. Which then everyone that's becomes five foot five. Yeah. yeah everyone becomes Lionel Messi size, wants to take that away. But yeah, so that's pretty much... Um, it's a fun documentary, this one. You got anything
0: it, more it, on that? No, no. Only it was... It was very sad, but it was compelling to watch. I absolutely loved it. I was just... And obviously, because we try not to talk about it beforehand, don't we? And I'm like, I just wanted to phone you up and go, oh man, this is fucking great. Which I guess, which is why we started this podcast, Rick. <laughs> this is.
1: Making a moment this podcast. We're jumping back <laughs> into that.
0: Um, but I, was, I, was, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And to the point I'd probably watch it again. I really, yeah, really it's would. It's an easy it, watch. It's a really lovely, yeah, it's watch.
1: a lovely little watch. Uh, this... I'm seeing what else comes out on the Untold series. We'll probably do a couple of those in between. Ah, cool, less. man.
0: Cool. Well, well, for more, me, more this is ones. this has got five written all over it. This is a we haven't had a five from me in ages. But I was proper. I was fired up. I love these basketball players. I love their passion, their honesty. I've got a crush on Reggie Miller. He's just yeah, I just, love Reggie Miller. Oh, he's superb. Um, and Go just, back and yeah, watch some it. of his
1: highlights. One of the greatest players of all time as well. Like He, oh, okay. he shot the ball as well as anyone ever has. Oh, okay. And you know um, what? He didn't do a fucking underarm either. So-,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, lit a five from me. What are you giving it, mate? I'm giving it a good four. Really nice. Good. Yeah, great documentary, man. Really. So that's called Malice at the Palace. Check it out. Rick, as always, throwing you under the bus, mate. What's next, boy?
1: Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'll post it on our social medias, the Instagrams or the Facebook page. Um, But up next, I believe it's episode two is coming out tomorrow, uh,
0: available on the Patreon for Making a Murderer. (sighs) Oh, and the tension is in... Hang on. The tension is on this one because this was a Rick edit. And as the editor of... Well, as the previous editor... So if any of our Patreon fans are... Now, I'd like to publicly say I was incredibly impressed. I think if we listen to your edit of Making a Murderer versus my first ever edit of Grizzly Man... I hope we get to the point of having fans (laughs) to do that. Like, oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I just wasn't vaping back then. No, I thought you nailed it, man. (laughs) Oh, thank you, because there was more tension than in the Pacers locker room at the Palace about setting this online. (laughs) So if you are one of match friends and you feel like... Well, and I love listening to the episode. If you feel like giving him some notes on what you think we can improve on, don't. All right? I don't need that. <laughs> Just... No,
0: mate. Seriously, you, you nailed it. I'm really... If,
1: if it's too loud, yeah. turn it down. If it's too quiet, turn it up. There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Going to need some accountability during these rough patches while Matt has a real job. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah the
1: series itself the making a murder series is fun even to go back through i'm looking forward to jumping back into that
0: yes and uh let's do that this week so let's do because we've been saying it for ages now um so just actually listening because i've listened to one and two i loved it absolutely loved it i forgot how much fun it was yeah yeah um all right, so uh thanks very much for listening. Uh, big shout out as always to our to our new Patreon fan. Thank you very much AJ. That was uh, incredibly kind. Please get in touch so we can uh, do some of your Patreon picks. And if you're another one of our Patreon fans, please do the same. Get in touch uh with some of your some hey, more I'm of your I'm happy picks.
1: picking them. I'm happy picking them. Yeah, no hurry. No
0: <laughs> um
1: but we do have some to we have been given some to do, so it'll be a Patreon pick next month before you put You know, this guy picks up later for 25 years and then decides that he wants to become a Chris Packard.
0: So, sweet. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, let's get in touch. And thanks very much for downloading. This is one of the best jobs I've ever had. So, uh, thanks.
1: All right. Take it easy, guys.
0: ta